Hey, Grow Solvers, what's up? What is going on? Welcome to the Good Grow Great Podcast. Great Lengths is the segment that you're in right now. I'm Talia Toha. I am so, so excited that you're here because today we're going to talk about flying and how how this is so cool. I used to love uh, flying, obviously not so much traveling per se for business, but when you're up in the air, there's just certain things that's happening, right, with our, with our minds and certain things that you see from above that you don't normally see. So today we're going to talk aviation, you guys. And we're going to chat in great lengths with Tamara and Tamara Nutley of Gen Hardware. She grew up in her father's business where he instilled in her this really just great optimism to pursue greatness. And his early death from Alzheimer's, though, and all of the following issues actually brought Tamara to the spotlight and prompted her this uh, sense of leadership that she needed to take on so that she can take care of her team and march onward with the business. Now, today, she is sharing with us small ways that she created big, massive changes in her life that you can also get including hidden ways that expectations from others can actually make you successful and ways to survive deep, deep obstacles in your business like 9-11, like recession, like your whatever it is that you're doing going under, like getting laid off, right? And also what you can do about your own self-doubt if things are starting to creep up in your head that you're going, can I do this? and what to do about it so that it will make you unstoppable. So Gross Olivers, hit that follow and subscribe button. Let's dive in. Tamara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. Amazing. Excited to have you on because we're going to be chatting all things aviation and you have a business related to the aviation industry. And before we touch on all of that good stuff, I do want to get with you on what your experience is like growing up in the family business, right? Because this business was started by your father. And I know that people have various different experiences when they grew up in a restaurant business, when they grew up in the family business, love and hate. So can you share maybe one uh, one of the memories that really stood out for you when you were growing up as a kid in the business? Yeah, of course. Um, we, we are just by definition, the classic mom and pop shop, you know, that's that's what it was from the very beginning. And we have moved a couple times, gotten a little bit larger every time. And I'd say one of the best memories was I have two brothers and the three of us would spend a very large portion of our day after school at the shop until it was time to go home and have dinner. And when we were too young to actually assist and, and help out, we were just basically free to roam the warehouse after hours. And if you can imagine a plethora of wheelie chairs and concrete floors and three young children, <laughs> it got a little crazy. We had some pretty good races back in the day. That and a multi-level warehouse and the 
airplane races and paper airplane flights and it was good times. It was, it was really good times, fond memories of that. That's amazing. Now, I am curious to hear because most people who have grown up in family businesses, they always talk about fun, fond memories, right? But I am curious to hear because a lot of business owners have gone through difficult times. And I'm, I wanted to ask you whether you have ever seen or heard I guess moments when maybe your your mom and dad is were having difficult conversation, right? Difficult conversations about the business, or maybe something is not going well at certain times, or going through rough patches. Was there ever a moment like that at all? Yeah, of course. Um, my parents were really wonderful at not giving the stress of the business and not portraying any of that to us kids, especially at a young age when, when we shouldn't have to worry about money and we shouldn't have to worry about, you know, if the next meal is going to be on the table or if we can buy school clothes, but they did have amongst themselves a little bit of a code, which, you know, Oh, was it a, a red day or a black day? You know, and then they had kind of just different colors and really quick ways to say whether it was a good day or not, because, my father was always the mind of the business and my mother has always been involved in it in a various capacities, but wasn't the one that made some of the bigger decisions and wasn't the one that really looked at the books to see whether it was a good day or not. And so she would get us home from school. And if we came home for dinner, then, uh, you know, my father would come home a little bit later and say, Oh, what kind of day it was it? You know, let's, let's talk about it. And they had a little way of, of communicating amongst themselves without worrying us children, which I've always commended them on that as an adult. Now having to come up with our own code with my husband and myself on let's not worry the kids about this. How are we doing though? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. This is definitely something that you highlighted because for the most part, working parents, well, anytime that you're, you have kids or raising kids or growing a family, it's always tough, but mixed into that working parents, parents who own businesses, I think there's definitely value in sharing your experience with the kids and teaching them certain aspects of the business, right? But also to your parents' point, it's definitely important to make sure that they, if they're not ready for some of the things and issues that's going on in the business, that they are maybe not going to hear it until later time, right? Years after. So I, I'm so glad that it sounds like for the most part, your memory growing up was hu- full of huge, just fond memories, right? Which is so great. And uh, what's it like growing up? Because you have two brothers and are they also now co-owners in the business or is that? No, they they're gone? not. Okay. They're not really involved in any major capacity. We do bounce ideas off each other because it's always been a family business, but Um, possibly surprising to my father, neither of my brothers really wanted anything to do with it in any (laughs) large capacity. It was always, I came right after high school and started working here and I've, I've been here ever since. And um, this was kind of my dad and I once, you know, I didn't think I was going to stay here. I was just looking for a job right after high school while I was going to college and whatnot. And it's like, well, here I am, you know. (laughs) Mm. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that, 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 that the two brothers don't care. And, uh, and thankfully there's the one, there's you who really wants to, want to take on the family business. Was there ever a moment though, when you 
doubted that and you you were thinking, well, maybe I'll do something else, something on my own. Oh, sure. You know, I was using the business, um, you know, I started out with just doing marketing and graphic design and, and helping my father out in those capacities because, you know, technology and things kind of changed when he, when he didn't. So I helped out in that capacity first. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to get a couple business degrees and a couple marketing degrees and, you know, graphics design knowledge and learn all that. And then I'll go do whatever I'm going to do. And I was going to start my own, uh, marketing and graphic design company at a point. And, you know, it's like, well, that's not really what I want to do. You know, you get so wrapped up in, you know, what you care about that, you know, it's like, well, I don't actually want to do marketing and graphic design for other people. (laughs) Yeah. So, and it's not that my brothers don't care. They just had no real interest in, in the long-term management and day-to-day of the business. They both have very different career paths that they've, that they've gone on. So. Right. They, they, they chose different things. And my dad and I have always, we're always very close. And once, once I became emotionally and mentally invested in the business, I was like, this is, this is where I'm going to stay. I'm going to make this work. Amazing. Well, I love to hear, I love hearing that story because I think it's definitely, I feel like it's a lot of, a lot of times it's very fortunate for people who, uh, people who have found their calling earlier on. I think it's, it's very, very, it's very, very good, right? Because a lot of people most spend most of their adult life actually second guessing and wondering, okay, well, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And you happen to have these you know, different skill sets. And you're also in this situation where your dad has this thing that he loves and you happen to love it too. And that's, it's just kind of this perfect marriage almost. So um, I do want to ask you when you're growing up, you had mentioned before we start rolling that dad has always had this kind of hopeless optimism in him, which I find really, it just kind of puts a smile in my face, mostly because I think, again, for a lot of business owners and even students at Good great who I work with a lot of times they the the difficulty often is is are the things that's standing in the way right and if you can't get through certain obstacles it's it's hard to move forward and yet here you are mentioning that your dad has this hopeless optimism can you talk a little bit more about what is it that he does or say maybe that makes you uh, makes you kind of characterize her uh, him in that way he is he is no longer with us we have lost the the pop to the mom and pop. And even in his last few years, he always had the idea of like, oh, we're going to, you know, just right after this, you know, this next big break is going to be what's going to happen. You know, right after, you know, whether it was certain political things or we were hit really hard during 9-11 or we were, this industry has had major ups and downs and there is no end in sight in regards to the struggles that this industry and many others have faced. And he always just knew it was going to be okay. You know, and I have, I have that too. You know, my, my husband and I, and he's the vice president of the company, you know, like what, what happens if, if this doesn't work out right now, we're planning a move. We're moving our business out of California and we're not the only ones. And it's like, well, what if this is a bad decision? I was like, well, we made it. We're going to make it work. (laughs) You know, it's great. You just have to stick to your guns once you make a decision, once you uh, 
think about it. And once you make that decision, you have to make it work because that, what other choice do you have? I'm not giving up now. We have joked in, in some ways about writing a novel about what our family business has struggled through in the last five or 10 years. And, you know, it's, it's a lot. There's, it has not been easy. And I, I know we're not the only ones struggling, but of course this is, this is our struggle and, and we own it and we're going to make it work. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting that you mentioned the various different struggles that you and your family, obviously in the family business had to go through in the past, whatever it is, five, 10 plus years. And you touched on 9-11 Obviously, with aviation, it's it's a huge blow. And I'm kind of curious to hear whether you see any similarities with what's been going on recently with the pandemic, right? Obviously, the situation is slightly different, but it does still affect uh, the aviation industry, among other industries, right? And I'm curious to hear what, yes, sticking to the guns is definitely one that takes you... To, to the end of the tunnel, but what are some things that maybe dad or your family or maybe even you did back in 2001 when 9-11 hits that really still kept the business together? So I do know we had, we had struggles. We had issues. We were, the phones were, which most of our sales back then was all, was all telephone based. Um, and we had a whole team of salespeople and it was crickets mm-hmm. for, for a while. And it was scary. Um, I remember being in the office, you know, after it, after it happened and, you know, I was at that age where they were like, okay, let's, you know, they, they weren't talking so much in code <laughs> at that point. And, you know, like, okay, should we, should we send people home? Should we stay open? Should we, you know, do this or do that? And kind of like a, you know, an office brainstorm. And, um, it was, it was terrifying as, as a child then, Mm -hmm. of course, none of the responsibility was mine at that point. It was all on, on my father and on the team of people that we had at the time. And now during this situation, you know, it's not that the phones have stopped, but it, you know, things, everybody's basically just pumping the brakes in some, in some regards, most of our customers are general aviation. So you know, for a while, everybody was kind of like, okay, can we come in the work? Can we not? I mean, you know, we had some right. people just not sure whether they should be buying inventory. I'm not sure whether we were open. We are an essential business. So mm-hmm. we are open and we had to market that fact to people say, hey, we're still here. You know, yeah, you might not be able to go to go out to dinner, but you know, you can still order your hardware. <laughs> right. So. So this is interesting because, uh, and I don't know if you, because you're so young, I don't know if you remember this, you touched on one particular aspect that I think is becoming more and more important these days is is that question that your, your dad and, and your, his team had to struggle with during 9-11 is, should we send people home, right? right. And it's one thing if someone is going through things solo, right? And they have a just kind of a boutique business. But it's another thing when you have teams of people. And of course, the decision making can just be about figures and numbers. But did you remember what your dad decided to do when he was thinking about, you know, should they send people home? 
I believe they were able to keep everyone there, you know, because it was it was a hiccup in our in our sales. It was a hiccup, but I don't think we had to send anyone home. We've always tried so hard and we mm-hmm. know that our our employees rely on on their paychecks to pay their mortgage and buy their food. We've tried so hard over the years to not send anyone home, to not cut any hours, to take you know, every opportunity, if they're, if they're ready and willing to work, we want to be open for our employees. And I think one of the things, you know, we do talk about being a family business, but people probably don't realize that how, how much of our family works for this business or how long everyone has worked for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my, my husband is the vice president. My mother-in-law is in the warehouse. We have a mother-daughter team that works in Florida and Illinois. Um, we have, in the years, we've had husband and wives both work for us at the same time. We've had fathers and daughters at the same time. We've had um, son-in-laws of other employees. You know, it's, so it's like when it's a family business, like we're not just, using that as a, as a coin phrase of, Oh, a family owns business. No, we are all related or we have worked together for long enough to where I don't want any of my employees. I do call them, but they are relatives in lots of ways, or I've known them long enough to where they are family. So it's like, we, we try not, we try very hard to not send anyone home. We've actually in relation, we started, setting up the infrastructure to get our sales force and our clerical team working from home during COVID. But recently, because we have decided to move our business, we're setting up all of our clerical and salespeople at, with home offices. This week was actually the first week we've had all salespeople working from their homes. Mm. So we have no plans to, to shut down or send people home. COVID notwithstanding, you know, anything we were, we're going to do everything we can to keep everyone employed. Amazing. So this is really great. And in some ways, truly inspiring, I think for a lot of business owners who are listening, who have people under their wings, right, offline or online. And sometimes the decision making is way more than just okay, well, we have to save some money. And I think there is a great deal of creativity that that every leader has to deal with. You know, I was talking to, I remember I was talking to somebody and they were sharing with me their experience going through the, um, not the 2020 recession, but the one before 2008. And what they decided to do with their employees, and you probably did this as well, Tamara, with your with your family, right, and uh, and your employees, is that they decided, okay, everyone is going to wear different hats during this time, and we're going to talk about things that we never get to talk about as far as the business is concerned, looking at systems that needed to be updated, right? And using that time productively to, yes, keep giving the paycheck out, but also in a win-win situation, also grow the business together. I think that's absolutely, I love that approach and I love the approach that you are, you are sharing. And so I want to ask you, because we've touched on this just a second ago in different ways, but, um, you know, the, the concept of leadership, right? And you talked about your employees, like their family, and some of them are your family, right? And 
how have you, how has your leadership, I guess your view on leadership changed over the course of the years? Like, was there something that before you took on the family business and before your, um, your, your dad passed away, you didn't know about, and now you looking back, you're like, this is what leadership is about. Was there anything that stood in and stood out in your mind, Tamara? Oh, certainly. When I, when I first started working here, I was right out of high school um, and I'm 31 now. So, you know, when I first started working here and I had worked here in various capacities, you know, just answering the phones and, you know, building hardware assortment kits for summer jobs and doing inventory. I have been working here since you know, grade school, even if it was, you know, just cleaning up around the shop, you know, cause that's what you do in a family business. Everybody has a job. Yeah. And, and I was always, you know, looking for a little extra cash to, you know, set aside and, you know, just whatever you could do. It was, it was also a joke that I used to get paid in Taco Bell tacos because it's <laughs> like, Hey, if every few kids clean up the shop, we'll give you, we'll take you to Taco Bell, you know, and that's, it's a joke, but it really happened. So you know, it's, it's one of those things that, that um, my leadership, I feel for, for a hot minute there, it wasn't taken seriously, but I didn't start, I didn't just jump right into a leadership role either. You know, I started just doing marketing and just making advertisements and then gradually just started seeing ways that things could be improved as I learned more and as I went to school and as I gleaned knowledge from my father and worked on projects together, um, I started to see where I could improve things. And, you know, of course we always, in any business role, there's, there's discussions and there's, you know, okay, well that's a, well, maybe we'll do that later. And then it doesn't happen for five years, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's one of those things that it, I have I have grown up in the business literally and figuratively and and now that I am the president of the business I do feel that I have proven myself worthy to be that way you know whether or not I was the founder's daughter talking about leadership just a second ago and I'm also curious about aside from your dad and definitely looking at your people who are under your wings, like where else do you draw inspiration for leadership? Do you read a book? Is there somebody that you look up to in the aviation industry, perhaps that you follow anywhere else where you drew inspiration as far as leadership is concerned, Tamara? Sure. There was a time when I was able to kind of stay a little bit more up to date and do more self-improvement and research. But with the, with what we've gone through in the last five years, um, it's it's a bad joke, but I do make the joke that it's like fighting forest fires with a squirt gun. Just everything yeah. we have had to deal with. And it's just like, you know, it's like, oh, you can only just squirt what's right in front of you just to stay alive. <laughs> yeah is how it feels sometimes. So I don't, I mean, my dad is the biggest inspiration. Um, For sure. Well, and speaking of which, right, for other aviation industry uh, business owners as well, and also actually for any, any people in business or entrepreneurs out there who are, you know, kind of going through maybe a rut or rough patch, right? Where do you feel the aviation industry is heading right now? Because obviously when 9-11 hit years ago, that was 
it takes like a good, whatever, year or two to, for everyone to kind of get back to a new normal. Do you feel like that's replicating right now with what's going on right now? I don't think it's going to take quite that long. And maybe that's my hopeless inherited optimism. But I, I do feel like with us as a company and the move we have planned and the fact that we've been able to stay alive as a business without a functioning website, good 10 years. I think that once that website is launched and we are moved out of California, things will be really looking up for us. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad that you brought up that you've had the business for 10 plus whatever years without a website, right? Because I think a lot of times these days people say, well, you have to have X, Y, Z, right? And, uh, and I mean, your business and your family business is living proof that you don't necessarily, yes, you can, right? As, as you mentioned to your point, you're, you have the website up and or are, you're going to have the website up. But there are definitely businesses for a long time. It's, it's thrived on other things, right? Relationships, reputation, referrals, all of these things. And so I am so glad that you're living proof that that's the case because I've always encouraged people who are listening on the podcast that choose something that you like, right? And choose, choose it well, choose something that you like, choose something that you like doing and focus on it, you know, and, and everything else is, it can be noise, it can be good to have, but it's not a must have, right? And uh, which is great. So I want to talk about your business real quick. So for the audience who is not familiar with the aviation industry and what you do, explain a little bit more about what you do in your business. We are an aircraft hardware distributor. Uh, my, my father started it back in 1984 in Lompoc, California. Yeah. We, we literally lived on a trailer on the airport grounds. Nice. And he was a mechanic there, and he couldn't find the hardware that he needed readily available. And so he would buy it in bigger quantities and use the two bolts he needed and sell the other 98 individually. 36 years later, we're, we're still doing the same thing, except for we just do it on a much larger scale and we don't actually manufacture or we are not a repair station at all. That's basically it. It's the nuts, bolts, screws and washers. It's, it's everything that holds the plane together. I, and I'm kind of enthused and inspired by this story, mostly because uh, I think a lot of people forget that most businesses started out of, like you were saying, out of garage, right? Someone's closet. And I think there is this idea now that if you want to make it big, that you have to have all the glitz and the, the, full, the full shebang. And it's not so true, I don't think. I think it's actually much more down to earth, realistic. There's not really much magic to it. It's just math, right? Day in and day out, you do it consistently, which your dad has done, and you have continued the legacy. It's definitely proof that that if you put you stick your head down and just kind of focus, that's uh, it's you're going to come out on the other side, which is exciting. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit because uh, we just want to touch on Montana for a second because right now you're here in California. You're thinking yeah. of moving back to Montana. Is that right? Well, the business has been in California uh, since 1984, and when my father's health started to deteriorate, he ended up getting Alzheimer's and, and passed away at 57 from that. When he 
started to deteriorate, we wanted to have the last few years we, with him with as much family around as possible. So we moved to Montana where my brother still lives. He actually lives three houses down from me. And um, my parents moved in with us and we were doing the whole working remote from Montana because we're all admin clerical workers. And that's why we got up there. And with recent events uh, that have occurred in our business, we we really don't want to keep it in California anymore. We tried a long time ago to theorize getting out of California about 10 years ago. Yeah. But we had so many hurdles and so many issues that came up um, that we weren't able to do it back then. And then once my father started getting ill, that took a back burner because in a family business, when one person suffers, we, we kind of all do. The moving of the business took a back burner to just keeping the doors open and keeping my father comfortable while we investigated what was wrong with him. We didn't know it was Alzheimer's right away. You know, he was, he was too young. We didn't think that would could possibly be why he wasn't feeling good, why he started making errors. It, mm. you, know, you know, it was, it was a, it was a big looming mystery that took a whole village to figure out, you know, and we all did what we could to support him and support the family and stay open. And I have a question on that because I'm curious to hear because I have family who has had Alzheimer's before, right? And it's when did you or maybe this happened way later after his passing, I I don't know, but uh did you transition the business over to yourself and and maybe your brothers or whoever else is is uh, under his wings? After he, if after you guys diagnosed the um, the Alzheimer's, or was it before? Or was it during no, it was, the whole? We knew he wasn't capable of working for some time, but we let him come into work, and uh, we gave him. I gave him projects so he would feel useful. And I mean, this is this is just the honest truth of it. I gave him projects so he would feel useful because he felt that he needed to come in and do things. I had already taken over the lion's share of the things that he did that were, were critical. And um, so we gave him projects. We, we let him come in and, and feel useful. And then he would go home and putz around in his garage and, and call it a day. He wasn't driving at that point. Um, he was able to walk to work and being in his mid fifties, there's no way we ever conceived that it was Alzheimer's, but we just knew he couldn't work. <laughs> Right. And and then begun the investigation of whether or not he what he had, you know, that that big road, that big mystery that we had to travel to see what was wrong. And um, so we, we kept him busy. We um, did what we could to keep him comfortable. And he technically retired in 2015 and had been having busy work for, you know, maybe a year or two before that, he still had an amazing amount of technical knowledge. He 
it was it was little things that would pass out of his mind and the technical big important stuff you know you could quiz him on on dimensions of item numbers and all of this amazing you know how do you put this where's this go on a plane you know just and he had all of that in his head but you know he couldn't tie his shoes he couldn't he couldn't make financial decisions. He couldn't, he lost his ability to uh, write, you know, things like that, but he could click around on a keyboard and, you know, put things together. We gave him bins of hardware, which of course was non-traceable, you know, just extra stuff to, to sort, you know, and um, it was heartbreaking that we had to go through those lengths, but, you know, I feel confident that, uh, it helped him to feel to feel needed, and it you know he felt he got to go home thinking he had a good day of work, and if he's happy, we're all happy. <laughs> Please uh, check us out on Facebook forward slash Gen Hardware. That's G E N H A R D W A R E. So, Gore Solvers, hit that follow and subscribe button. Let's dive in.